You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for Plano Pulse with your hosts, Jamie Jolly and Lamont Thomas. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office located in the Legacy Texas Business Center. I'm Jamie Jolly, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber of Commerce. And I'm Jeff Beckley, 2019 Immediate Past Board Chair of the Plano Chamber, joining you as today's co-host. Welcome back, Jeff. It's great to have you here at Plano Pulse with us today. Um, it's always a pleasure as um, having you as my co-host. Um, we actually built a great rapport last year, uh, hosting our first year of the, this podcast. Uh, before we introduce today's special guest, I'd like to take a moment to share a quick message from the sponsor of today's episode, Dallas Area Rapid Transit, no, better known as DART. It's like talking about old friends when I talk about DART. They have partnered with the Plano Chamber in so many ways to benefit our community. But it's surprising that some people don't know about one of the biggest benefits they offer to our businesses. It's called ePass. ePass gets people to work on time and without stress of driving in traffic. And research shows that rush hour driving raises your blood pressure and cortisol levels for up to an hour after you actually arrive at work. That's bad for productivity and it's bad for your workers' health. One more thing, ePass saves employees over $4,000 a year compared to driving to work. See if ePass is right for you at www.dart.org ePass. Thank you again to our friends at Dart for sponsoring today's episode. Now, I have the honor of introducing our special guests for today's episode, Tatsumi Paredes and Tony Howard Lowe. Tatsumi is National Manager of Diversity and Inclusion at Toyota. She joined Toyota in 2007 and progressed through positions in marketing and human resources. In 2017, Tatsumi was promoted to her current position in diversity and inclusion, where she is responsible for strategy, communications, education, and culture building. Tony has spent her entire decade plus career as an advocate for equality in the workplace challenging Fortune 100, 200, and 500 organizations to eradicate pay disparity for women and bridge the career gap for underrepresented minority professionals entering the workforce. Tony is the former head of People First for McAfee and is now a founding partner for TCT Consulting Group. Thank you both for being here today, Tatsumi and Tony. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank yes. you. So um, the Plano Chamber of Commerce, a couple of years ago in redoing our strategic plan, we really wanted to focus on um, how do we embrace the practices that we see in our business community when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So this is a big priority for us, and um, we appreciate you sitting down with us today and visiting on this topic. But before we dive into our questions, would each of you kind of take a moment and tell us about, uh, give us an overview of, of on a a daily basis of what you do on diversity and inclusion as a practitioner in this field. And um, we'll go ahead and start with Tony. Okay. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm uh, just a uh, prior or former uh, head of People First, which was diversity and inclusion, uh, corporate social responsibility, and culture and engagement for McAfee, which is a cybersecurity company. Um, but now I'm out on my own um, as a practitioner. I consider myself to be sort of like a culture alchemist, um, a workforce strategist um, in diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. 
Um, I feel like I, I would describe myself as more of like a disruptor. You know, I thrive in environments where um, I'm helping companies maximize their full potential, create value, and advocate for a positive employee experience. So, um, you know, that sort of tells you a little bit about my career on a daily basis. But on a larger scale, I just feel like I'm someone um, who really believes in the purpose of really having a voice for, you know, marginalized people and underrepresented, um, you know, employees. So. Yeah, that's great. Tatsumi? Thanks, Jamie. At Toyota, DNI is guided by the Toyota way. So that is respect for people and continuous improvement. Our mission really is to infuse DNI across the entire organization. So that includes sales, manufacturing, finance, and marketing. Um, I would say for me, every day is really about making connections and being open to new ideas and collaboration. So it can range from speaking with executive leaders within our organization to understand their needs in the DNI space. It could look like conversations with our partners in HR to make sure there are synergies between their teams and ours. And a lot of times it's about networking with other organizations to understand best practices. So that's kind of what my day looks like. If you were to ask my kids, though, yeah. they'd probably tell you I'm in meetings all day. <laughs> Those meetings will get yes. you every time. Very good. Well, there are a lot of different ideas about what diversity and inclusion is and isn't. A lot of those are misconceptions. So what are some of the most common misconceptions that business leaders have about what diversity and inclusion? I'll start with you, Tatsumi. Uh, if you would help us understand what some of the common misconceptions are. Sure, I think one misconception is that hiring diverse candidates is enough, that you've done your job with diversity and inclusion. In speaking with consultants in the DNI industry, we know that's only half sure. of the equation. When, um, for Toyota, we want a team member population that mirrors our diverse customer base. We also want to create a culture of inclusion where people feel safe to bring their whole selves to work. And it's really through these diverse thoughts and experiences that our team members bring to our company that make us a better place. So it leads to greater innovations, right? Like the Prius or the hydrogen um, fueled Mirai vehicle. Yes. It's just so incredibly important that we create this environment for our team members. Otherwise, we've really missed the key benefit of having a diverse workforce right. in, the, in the first yeah. place. Well, and I think you're right. I mean, that's what a lot of people think is, let me implement um, inclusive and, and diverse practices within my hiring, and I've, I've done that part. And, my, and I think it goes so much further. In fact, even within our organization, we really strive to make sure as we're planning events and things that we recognize different religious holidays and different um, conflicts there might be with the calendar. And we try to be more everything from uh, not just hiring, but daily practices. And um, it takes effort, but I think in the end, like you said, it, it does uh, create innovation and um, it makes sure that we're teaching our own employees about different cultures and um, things like that. So, what about you, Tony? So, I mean, I would spot on. Um, I, I would, you know, kind of second that sentiment. I think I always say, you know, it's not all about counting the jelly beans, right? So, we put a lot of pressure on our talent teams about the front door. And really, the, to be honest, as a consultant, what I see most often is that people are falling out of the back door. Right. And so, what that tells me is that there's a conditions issue, right? Um, you know, I also think, you know, I call it like the illusion of inclusion, um, which is that we have put our money where our mouth is and we're we're doing programs and we're doing all this work. But internally, 
um, are, the behaviors and the practices are not aligned to the company's mission and they're, they're inconsistent. Um, so I think, I mean, it really, the truth is, is really about equity conditions to thrive and, and equal access. And so when you're doing that work, um, you know, it's, it's not just about what we're saying we're a part of, but really understanding what it really truly means to be a champion for diversity. Um, and, inclusion. I, and I think um, it, it's interesting, different businesses have different practices, but I know in one area that um, one of the most important elements that we see is, is really the employee resource group. So helping support your employees. So again, they can bring their whole selves to work. Um, supplier diversity, making sure that you're giving um, minority owned businesses opportunities to do business with your organization. What are some other um, successful approaches that you see from different companies? So if I could share about our employee resource groups at Toyota, I think the key thing that helps them be incredibly successful is our, our focus on letting the team members lead, the yeah. ERGs. So the team members, they know their membership the best. They themselves are a part of the culture that they represent or the interest group. And what we share with the ERGs is guidance, right? We want to make sure that their strategies and their activities are aligned with our business strategies. Uh, but we also say this is a great leadership and development opportunity for you. So you are going to meet executives. You'll meet people outside of our organization and learn best practices. And what you'll need to do is think about maximizing each of those opportunities. So I've got a great success story that I wanted to share with sure. you. Good. A few years ago, we had hosted a, an event called NetWalk. So this was basically a networking event within the organization. Very casual walk around campus. It was an executive and let's say two team members. And they really got to pick the executive's brains. So the employee resource groups had hosted this activity. There was a young lady who very specifically wanted to speak with an executive in finance. She had worked in customer service and saw that that was her next step. And so she participated in NetWalk. She had requested to speak with an executive in finance. And after they participated in the event, she stayed in touch. What happened next was that the leader found someone who was truly amazing, had some great new perspectives, and he had an opening. And so she ended up getting the job. And we think about, you know, what a great experience for the team member to leverage an employee resource group activity sure. to advance their career. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's a great, a great story. example. That's awesome. So uh, the chamber has a uh, culture and inclusion program uh, of which Toyota is a big sponsor and you both have been big participants uh, in, the, in the program where uh, business leaders will share uh, many of their best practices. Can you uh, each share with us, and I'll start with you, Tony, uh, some of the best practices that you see uh, that companies are employing to uh, really kind of grab hold of, of culture and, and inclusion? Yeah, so first I think, you know, I've been a part of, um, you know, the Plano Chamber's uh, Plano Culture and Inclusion Program since its inception. And I think it's just an amazing um, group of folks. Um, and it's beyond just best practice sharing. It really is a community of support um, because the reality is that everyone thinks that uh, you know, diversity inclusion is something that companies can solve on their own, but the community of partnering and best practice sharing are really what make, make you better. Um, there are so many things I've had the uh, pleasure of, of even uh, presenting myself at, at the program. And there are so many things that have come out of it 
Um, but I think the biggest thing is really about how you weave diversity and inclusion into your DNA and really having a lens of diversity and inclusion and equity throughout all of your processes, creating guardrails because people are people and people are human and we all have our own kind of identity politics and things that we relate to and our own natural biases. Um, but when you really are truly an advocate and a champion for change, when you start to learn what other companies are doing in terms of best practices and how they're creating, you know, uh, whether that is diverse candidate slates or, um, you know, different things like that into their processes, um, even policies that support mothers or uh, parent parental leave, um, those are the kind of things, the kind of richness that comes out of, you know, sharing in those types yeah. of formats. Well, and I think the most exciting thing about the Culture and Inclusion Alliance that we, we sponsor and uh, we host is that we really hear from other companies that truly are learning from each other. And you, you hear them come back and go, oh, we started a new employee resource group to support this um, initiative or, or this sector of our workforce and to see some of those successes. And then they come back and tell us how they've been able to implement what they've learned. So again, I think it's a great working group and I appreciate Toyota's um, sponsorship and participation. Um, we've got more questions for our guests, including their outlook for the future of diversity inclusion. But first, let's take a quick break for a message from the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse, Legacy Texas. I want a commercial banker who works hard for my money. Scratch that. I want a commercial banker who makes my money work hard for me. At Legacy Texas, we hear you. More importantly, we get you. You expect your banker to work hard. Doing everything possible to make each dollar count that's when they're really working. At Legacy Texas, our bankers help you maximize every opportunity and put your money to work like nobody's business. Legacy Texas. Change your mind about banks. Member FDIC. And we're back with our guest, Tatsumi Paredes with Toyota North America and Tony Howard Lowe. Thank you both again for being here. Uh, you both come from a background with larger companies. Uh, and in terms of practice uh, of diversity and inclusion, but not all members of our business community have the same access to resources that larger companies have. Uh, what are some easy uh, things that smaller companies can do, some kind of um, almost no-brainer type things that they can do to improve their culture and inclusion um, culture, if you will, uh, their, their, their actual uh, approach to culture and inclusion in their in their smaller companies. I'll start with you, Tatsumi. Sure. So a few months ago, my colleague Lisa Harris and I had hosted a discussion, and it was called "The Secrets of Inclusion." <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the secrets of inclusion. Um, in our eyes, are uh, through something that we call small acts of inclusion. Are you all familiar with small acts? No. No? So small acts of inclusion, they're basically things that we can all do every day to help people feel included. So my best advice for some of these smaller organizations is to start to practice these small acts of inclusion and make it a habit. So some of my favorites are, for example, writing a handwritten thank you note to make a personal connection, or inviting a coworker to grab, grab some coffee if you don't know them really well, um, or even simply just asking those who may be a little bit more quieter in meetings to share their thoughts. So if we can all make this a habit to practice these small acts of inclusion, we feel like that will lead to better engagement with your colleagues, your coworkers, and just help them feel like they belong. Yeah, no, that's great advice. 
What do you think, Tony? Um, I agree. Um, I, I think one of the things that I would say is really looking around and saying, is everyone present, right? Um, you know, it's super, I think everybody thinks it's very complicated and they see the awards and they see all the money. Yes. But the reality of it is, how, how do people feel like uh, they are treated within your company, right? And so it really starts at the very core. It's a very human component, right? How, um, how are people thriving? How do people feel included? And in small companies, I think they actually have an advantage um, there versus larger companies, right? Which is that you can create a very family environment that is very equitable and you can, and uh, a little goes a long way in a small sure. company, right? In terms of how it's saturated across different employees. So, um, you know, I think it's spot on. And then, you know, just a small, small guardrails. Like if you, the way you start is the way you finish. So when you're a small company and you're growing and you say, you know what, we're going to do, you know, diverse candidate slates, we're going to do diverse interview panels, we're going to do, we're going to ensure, we're going to set small goals. Um, I think it's good. A lot of companies wait until it's too late and then it's more either a regulatory response or a, a pressured response um, to talent. And so um, I think that's a, a real benefit for small companies. I think that's great advice. And I think it's in our own community here in Plano as we see um, a very diverse citizen citizenry here and we also see global companies bringing in people from every corner of the world, from every walk of life, every organization, whether you are a, a Toyota North America or a small business, you really have to think about how do I want to attract and retain talent and I think inclusion is gonna be key at, at every level. And Tony, I think you make a good point about smaller companies actually having maybe a bit of an advantage. I've worked in both large companies and I currently have my own smaller CPA firm. It's more obvious when you're not being inclusive and when you're not creating that culture where everybody can participate mm -hmm. when you're in a smaller company. A bigger company, yeah, you know, Joe and Fred, they go off to lunch together and, you know, you have formed these, these kind of informal cliques um, that, that kind of develop over time. And so, obviously, larger companies have a bigger challenge with that. With a smaller company, it kind of stands out when you have those, those kind of cliques that, that form. And so really just kind of being aware of it, being sensitive to it. And then, as you mentioned before, making it part of your vision, your mission, and connecting that back to your mission. I think that really is a critical aspect of it. So, yeah. Well, both of you have backgrounds in, in human resources and uh, with more specialization in diversity and inclusion in, the mo in your more recent careers. Um, how have you seen the corporate approach to DNI evolve in the last few years? I know that diversity inclusion has become more important, and I think it has to do with talent acquisition and retention. But um, what do you all think as far as uh, the, the approach and what's changed over the last few years? I, th I personally think, you know, it's been amazing to see it go over the last two decades from being more of a regulatory compliance, you know, um, requirement um, to really being aligned to the business imperatives exactly. um, and I think that's that's super important and I think it is showing and telling in terms of the talent landscape yes. um, I also think uh, and we'll probably talk about future state but I, I really think that um, the state of the world in terms of social media and uh, corporate social responsibility and the way in which our consumers and the talent landscape in terms of Millennials 
are impacting um, it has changed the landscape as well, right? Yeah. Uh, so the model of, you know, you stay with a company for 50 years, you get a gold watch and you do what they say is changing. So there's a lot more power in the talent landscape now. People are like, listen, I can work remotely. I can live in any city. There's so much access. I really don't have to come work for your company where you don't um, respect my values and it doesn't align. And so I think that aligned with the business impact and all the big data that we can now have around yes. our consumers has really changed the landscape. Well, and, and to, to that point, too, again, with the millennials and the current job market, I mean, like you said, um, employees don't have to stick around in an environment where they don't feel included. So it really is kind of a competitive disadvantage if you're not engaging in that. Right. So, Tatsumi? That's absolutely right. For Toyota, I mean, we are deeply committed to team member development, employee engagement, and overall just making our company a great place to work. We're looking for that competitive edge. And so... My vantage point is I kind of think about our team members as being our customers. Just as we think about our customers of our vehicles, we know that customers and the experiences that they have are so incredibly important to our business. So I kind of think it, it's incredibly important that we're busting silos and we're doing it together. So it's really about, like Tony had said, you know, making sure things are connected within the organization and that sure. we're partnering within HR, within community relations. We all have to do this together because at the end of the day, we're all touching our same team members. Right. That's who it's all for. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to you. It has to be very authentic and genuine and, and from every level of the organization, from leadership down. I mean, you've got to make sure that... Um, that messaging is very yeah, clear. It seems like a lot of the culture and inclusion initiatives of years past seemed a little more forced and contrived. Yeah. Whereas now what we're seeing or what my sense is that it seems to be more of a of a cultural approach to to and, and more genuine, more mm -hmm. heartfelt. And, and I believe that employees are rallying around that. Yeah. So just kind of taking it beyond the here and now, I mean, if you had to look into your crystal ball and project what uh, culture and inclusion would look like over the next five to ten years. Tatsumi, what would you say w you would expect to see happen over the foreseeable future in, in terms of diversity? Sure. There is one thing that I know, and that is change is constant. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like Tony said, younger generations are entering the workforce and our data shows they want companies that are more socially responsible. Consumer preferences are changing. There's more technology out there. And even Toyota is evolving. Did you know we started as a loom company before yes. oh we were gosh, automotive? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so our, our next step is becoming a mobility company and really enabling mobility for all. So all that is changing. Mm -hmm. What's not changing, I think, is the value of diverse thoughts and experiences. So as much as we can continue to build this culture of inclusion where people feel safe to bring their authentic selves to work and to add their experiences and their value. We just know that when good ideas are shared, there's so many great things that come out of it. Sure. So that yeah. is really where we need to continue to, to kind of move on. Mm -hmm. And I would say, 
you know, really, like I said earlier, the intersection of social justice, I think, is going to have a great deal of impact. You see things like, um, you know, the women's movement or Black Lives or Blue Lives Matter or, you know, all sure. these different things that are arising and companies are no longer afforded the ability to stay silent. Um, so you can't just be a conservative company anymore. You gotta kind of take a stance and draw a line in the sand. I think CSR, you know, people want to know from a sustainability, how are you helping the world? I think also AI and, and millennials who want to work and have flexible workplaces, they want to work from anywhere. And when you think about a large majority of companies going to, you know, you know, moving away from brick and mortar, uh, what does that mean for diversity and inclusion when we're not all sitting together and when we're sitting across the world? So I think those things combined really um, not only are going to make us incredibly innovative, but then we're going to have to think differently about the talent landscape. Yeah, no, that's all great. Well, thank you both for sharing your insights. I mean, you obviously both have a passion for, for what you do, and and, uh, and we, we just uh, love hearing about the, the future of culture and inclusion and, and uh, the impact that it has on not just large companies, but small companies. So thank you for taking time today. Thanks for having thank us. You. Yes. We also want to give special thanks to Legacy Texas for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse, as well as DART, today's episode sponsor. Contact us to learn more about how your business can join Legacy Texas and DART as sponsors of this podcast. And that's the end of our show for today. Please let us know your thoughts and share with your colleagues and your friends. Also, be sure to download the new Plano Chamber app to listen to Plano Pulse on the go. Thanks for listening. Thank you.